Episode 12, The Price is Right at the Round Barn Theater. Hello, I'm Michael L. Harris, and this is Midwest Entertainment Review, a place where I talk honestly and openly about the entertainment that I've seen throughout the Midwest with a concentration on northern Indiana. Have you ever passed a historical marker along the roadside and thought to yourself, hey, that might be interesting to check out? But most of us never get to the checking out part, just wondering about. Well, now you can learn about the history behind the roadside markers without even leaving your home, and it's all free. Check out our new internet series, Indiana Roadside Markers, on YouTube and learn the history behind the historical marker. You can find Indiana Roadside Markers by simply typing Indiana Roadside Markers into your YouTube search engine. It's exciting to watch as many of the theaters throughout the Midwest begin to open again to live performances. Stage Left Theater in Chicago did a spring fling at the park with a live new play performance. City Winery in Nashville has begun live performances. Steppenwolf and Lyric Opera in Chicago, among others, are gearing up for their new seasons. And the Paramount Theater in Aurora, Illinois, just announced the new date for its many times postponed Kinky Boots. They always do great work there. And they're also gearing up for their new season, as are many other theaters in the area. Many theaters in this area are also gearing up for their 2021 season. Wagonwell Theater in Warsaw, Indiana will soon open their season, as will both South Bend and Fort Wayne Civic Theaters. Yelkart Civic Theater has been plugging along throughout the pandemic, as has Round Barn Theater at the Barns of Napanee. And speaking of Round Barn Theater, first up today for our review is their production of When Calls the Heart, the musical, based on the novel by Jeanette Oak. This also is a world premiere of the musical, with original music by Christy Stutzman and the book by Christy Stutzman and Bethany Crawford. Continuing his winning streak, Alex E. Price slam dunks another one for the round barn. Singing, dancing, acting are all upper caliber. Miss Stutzman's music was well thought out and flowed seamlessly into the production. Choreography by Molly Hill was well thought out and complemented the production, as did Sandy Hill's music direction. All made for a winning team. That's two for two this season, Round Barn. The Okies in the crowd will also be aware that there's a derivative television show based on Miss Oak's book. On the night that we attended the performance, there were members of the Oaks family in the crowd, as well as one of the producers of the television series, Brian Bird. I spoke with Mr. Bird during the intermission, and he was very approachable and very complimentary of the Round Barn's production. Alex Price's set design was also very functional, and the use of projected backdrops made it possible for them to quickly and easily make scene changes, and without the use of large backdrops. But I'm still reeling at the number of set pieces that they were able to fit into the round barn's fairly minimal wings. Of course, I'm still pulling for the round barn to hire a live band, and there were some wooden arm movements that bothered me, as did the lone masked man on the stage, but even with its lackings, this is a must-see performance and a must-support for that quality of theater at the round barn theater. Husband and wife team Caleb and Jacqueline Kelly Shaw bring stellar performances. However, my favorite song of the night was the theme song of When Calls the Heart, sung by the character Anna. Unfortunately, the cast member playing Anna does not appear in the show's program. So all I can say is, Anna, whoever you are, you had the best song in the show. Jacqueline Kelly Shaw also ended up coming in on the song, so well done, ladies. Up next, Disney's Freaky Friday at the Lerner Theater in Elkhart, Indiana. 
Every time I talk about the theater, I have mixed emotions. Since I was involved in the early days of the transition of the theater from a movie house back to a live performance house, and since I created the first youth acting program in the area, my heart aches for the fact that I'm no longer part of the learner's program. On the other hand, the learners come a long way, and the efforts of many, including the current management of Premier Arts, help bring it there. Freaky Friday featured performances by Premier's executive director, Craig Gibson, Alicia Harrington, Carol Mirness, and Camden Seiko, as the family to which the freakiness happens. Miss Harrington, when transformed into her younger daughter, gave a stellar performance, copying Mirness's gestures. Mirness's performance was generally good, and both women can sing, but I found Mirness's exaggerated arm movements annoying from the very start but even more annoying by the end of the show, taking away greatly from her otherwise well-crafted performance. Resident Puppeteer and Ellie's younger brother, Camden Seiko, could have had a great performance, but it was too self-contained and his voice was so muffled that he was ineffective. Had he opened up and played to the audience a bit more, I believe he could have stolen the show, or at least his corner of it. Once again, I missed a live band, but this is Civic Theater, so I will cut them somewhat of a break. The one very distressing thing for me of the whole evening was the theater staff's total disorganization. I understand that they had to change tickets because of COVID spacing, but what I don't understand is how you can get bounced from one seat to another to another as a season ticket holder all over the theater at ever further rows from the stage. I was not very impressed, and in fact, I was very frustrated with the whole ordeal. While there are many seats in the learner, and you can see pretty well from most of them, by the time you're back too far, you miss much of the facial expression of the cast members, particularly with amateur productions. I prefer to be within the first seven rows. And for our final review, Elkhart Civic Theater's production of Red, White, and Tuna at the Bristol Opera House. Red, White, and Tuna is a two-man show with about 200 characters. While both actors, Brad Mazik and Preston Riddell, did an admirable job, the play to me was primarily a series of comic sketches with a loose storyline woven together, and not particularly well and not particularly fun, at least not for me. Red, White, and Tuna's run has ended, but please get out there and support ECT at the Bristol Opera House. While Red, White, and Tuna was not my favorite play, the Elkhart Civic Theater has brought many excellent productions to the community over its many years, and I'm sure the pandemic did not help their cash coffers. They deserve our support. Next up for ECT is a revival of the show they'd produced earlier this year, which was quite good, actually, Two Across. See my previous episodes of this podcast for my review of that particular show. Also coming in July is ECT's production of Cinderella at the newly remodeled Goshen Theater in Goshen, Indiana. So get your tickets now. Over Memorial Day weekend, I enjoyed a truly unique experience as the Syracuse Wallace Chautauqua, in conjunction with the American Legion Post 223, presented Taps Across the Water. Taps Across the Water was a salute to our many veterans. It was produced at dusk on May the 30th. At 9.08, there was a moment of silence, followed by taps from buglers stationed around Syracuse, Wallace and Papakichi Lakes. Viewers witnessed this one-of-a-kind performance from public access points around the lake. Check out our YouTube channel for a video of this event. Upcoming for the Chautauqua is their annual art fair in Oakwood Park on June the 12th from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. For more information, check out the Chautauqua Wawasee Facebook page. 
If you have specific questions about area entertainment, or if you're a venue owner and would like me, Michael L. Harris, to review a specific show, you can contact me by emailing me at sastunemedia at gmail.com. That's S-A-S-T-U-N-M-E-D-I-A at gmail.com. And don't forget to check out our internet series, Indiana Roadside Markers, on YouTube and learn the history behind the roadside markers throughout the whole state of Indiana. To help offset the cost of production, we gladly accept tips and donations. Just go to sastunemedia.com, click on the podcast tab, and follow the Help Support This Project button. Michael L. Harris is a proud member of SAG-AFTRA, and this podcast is produced under a SAG-AFTRA collective bargaining agreement. Original music for the program was written, recorded, and produced by Mark McPeak. The opinions expressed herein are just that opinions. The, the observations of Michael L. Harris at the time of production. Not definitive, not intended to offend or demean any person, production, or venue mentioned herein, and they're subject to change. This program is the property of Sastoon Media and MLH Media LLC, copyright 2021, all rights reserved. 